The following podcast is sponsored by StructureTech. Super excited to have our good friend, Andy Schrader, back from Rum River Construction Consultants. Hi, Andy. How's it going? Hello, guys. Doing great. Just uh, trying to deal with this Minnesota weather. Every day is completely different, and it's, uh, it's quite exciting. Welcome, everyone, to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, your three-legged stool coming to you from the Northland. Well, Andy, I'm really excited to talk to you today. We scratched the surface a couple of weeks ago on our podcast talking about SIPs. And I know this is an area of particular interest for you. And so we're going to talk a little bit about SIPs, what they are. But before we dive into that, I'm going to ask you to tee up a story that is near and dear to your heart, where you're actually involving SIPs into some very good work that you're doing in another country. So can you give us a little backstory of your work with SIPs outside the U.S.? And I I just got to say, we have not defined SIPs yet. We've said it a few times now. Yeah, well, we'll define them. Structurally insulated panels. Thank you, Bill. Okay. It's an insulated foam core with OSB or plywood glued on each face. It acts as a structural component as an exterior wall assembly. And there's a whole lot more to it. As you start looking into it with greater interest, there's so many resources on YouTube and the internet as far as what building components those are. You know, the system I think was developed or started to be developed in the early 70s. Tessa, you might have a little bit more historical knowledge on that as well. But it's really something that is becoming more and more prevalent in today's building infrastructure just because of the energy efficiency and the way that you can seal these buildings up so much tighter in order to meet today's energy code. And if I could just put this in layman's terms, what you just described, maybe if I were going to simplify it, I'd say it's an alternative to using studs, fiberglass bat insulation, and sheathing, right? Yes, sir. It, it's yeah. the exterior wall assembly. As you set these panels, the thicknesses from four to 12 inches and increments in between, you frame your exterior wall, you insulate your exterior wall, and you sheathe the inside and outside in one step. Beautiful. Yeah. Ruben, I have to correct you. Everybody oh, no. who listens to our podcast is highly intelligent. They understand building at a very <laughs> high level. There are no layman's in our world. This is just for me. This is so I understand, Bill. That's all. Thank you for dumbing it down for yourself. We appreciate yes. that. Yeah. But my sister started doing outreach and uh, mission work in Haiti probably 15 years ago. And she's invited me to go every every time. And finally, I ran out of no's. Every year she would ask me and every year there was something else going on. And I just ran out of no's. And now that combined with my interest in a general contracting company, I just started Performance by Design. We're building performance-based construction in Minnesota climate. And as we realize protecting ourselves from the outdoor climate in Minnesota is important, just became basically the realization uh, that same thing is important in other climates. And so we're, we're connecting that with my sister's work down in Cap Haitian in Haiti. The, the work down there, their building methods are so ancient and so labor intensive. They basically make their concrete blocks one by one by hand. They mix the cement, the sand, and the water on the ground by hand. They mix it and turn it. Uh, and then they have a form that they make their concrete blocks by hand. They take that form over across the yard, they turn it upside down, they shake it and jiggle it till the form comes off. Now you have a CMU, you have a concrete masonry unit, and then you go back and you do it again. 
you make these blocks one by one. And then after they cure out in the sun, you know, for a few days, then you can start stacking them up uh, with, again, hand-mixed mortar into a wall. A lot of rebar, a lot of cement in Haiti. Due to the, the uh, weather conditions, you know, the wind and the and, and things of that nature, they, they have to make a very strong building, and that's understood. But these things are so labor-intensive, it takes them so long to build stuff. And then, unfortunately, they get to a certain point, waist or chest high, they run out of time, they run out of money, they run out of whatever, and the structure stays like that. They don't realize any shelter or benefit for their work. So my brother Joe and I started looking at this along with my sister as far as, you know what, let's take this building technology to Haiti. So what we're doing is there's a GoFundMe page. We're actually raising money and we're working with Extreme Panel out of Cottonwood for a SIPS building. My company, Rum River Construction Consultants, a contract building official, we paid for the architecture. So we have full drawn plans. We have architecture. I'd love to share it with you guys. You'd like you'd like to see it. And so now the plans are being drawn up by Extreme Panel. And then the, the goal is to raise money over the summer. And then this fall, the SIPS panels put into uh, shipping containers, sent down to Haiti. And then sometime in like December, we're getting a crew of people together to go down there to erect SIPS building. Lab itself will be completed by local Haitians. Uh, concrete and rebar, that's what they do. And they do it well. So they'll do the slab itself. And then we'll go down there this fall. I think we're thinking three weeks. The first week we'll go down there to form around the perimeter. And we're going to pour the curb just because with lasers, we can make sure that the curb is level and square. So the SIPS panels, when the, those go on there, will have a complete level system to start with. So that'll be the first week to get the curb in, in place and then unpackage the shipping containers. And then for the next two weeks, we're going to have some carpenters come down and we're taking uh, applications. So anybody wants to, to pull me <laughs> up for this, this would be a fantastic opportunity to let me know. We're helping people get their passports and get all that realized. Uh, there's going to be a woman that, a retired woman from the Northeast that's going to be helping. She could meet the carpenters in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale and then help walk through customs as they get to Haiti and all of that. There's drivers, you know, and also translators that are going to help with that process so that the people come down there to help volunteer are going to be comfortable. They're not going to be stressed out because this was my first trip to Haiti and it was kind of intimidating. When I was down there first part of May, I was able to go down there with my sister, of course. We visited the property. So my sister and her husband bought 21 acres just outside of Cap Haitian and it's beautiful farmland with the mountains in the background. It's just quite beautiful. So they bought this 21 acres. They're working with the local agronomy department as far as soil analysis and soil tests. It's really a whole setup. And the IF Foundation does a lot of work there as far as making soil amendments. They have composting worms and they actually make their own dirt. It, it's really incredible as far as making sure that the soil is going to support the peanuts, the sweet corn, the watermelon, the things that are of high value to the people in, the, in Haiti. So Andy, is there anything Thing about SIP panels that makes a ton of sense in Haiti, other than they can go together quickly. If you set this foundation true, they're very forgiving because it's fast and, and that kind of thing. But is there something related to the hurricanes that they can withstand forces that maybe a standard building can't? Well, the way they build things, that's a great question. And out of concrete and rebar, they build things in such a way that they're certainly going to withstand the wind events that they have. There is some engineering and some design parameters that are a little different in a Haitian design building than a Minnesotan you know, building. They obviously don't have frost uh, concerns or snow load concerns. They have wind. So when we're designing the slab, and the, it's more the connection. It's the connection from the SIPS panels to the foundation itself. And so that's where the engineering department, where we're reaching out to Simpson as far as getting the right anchoring system so that this box can be built in such a way that the box is going to be solid. It's the connection of that box to the foundation to make sure there's no overturning or shifting or lateral loads that make sure that the lateral loads are going to be satisfied. 
In their construction on their concrete block houses, what type of roof are they putting on? Is it is it kind of a hand frame simplistic design? Is it and will it be the same for this on top of these two? I've seen two different roof systems down there. A hand frame, dimensional lumber, which is kind of surprising to me. Or they form up their roofs with plywood and bamboo sticks, and then they pour the concrete roofs, flat, low pitch. It's really impressive to see the Haitians. They work so stinking hard. They have literally bamboo ladders leaning up against a building and they stage their people up the ladder and with a a bucket brigade, basically. Concrete is handed up the the ladders with buckets and then they pour it into this form and then they throw the buckets down and it's a whole chain. I'm having a tough time picturing this, Andy. I mean, I've seen concrete tiles on roofs, but it almost sounds like they're just pouring one big chunk of concrete. Essentially, that's what it is. They have intermediate walls you know, to help support the plywood, to support the roof. They form a roof out of plywood. And then underneath, they have bamboo vertical supports to keep the plywood in place. And then with a ton of rebar. It's amazing because there are literally motorcycles driving down the streets, pulling small bundles of rebar all over the place. Uh, So they pull, yeah, they pull sticks of rebar down the road just like nothing. So the rebar is is uh, supported in place and they make a grid pattern in the roof. And then they, with a bucket brigade, they pour concrete and then yeah. they, you know, then they'll pull out the bamboo and then the, the plywood forms so they can use them again. And they have yeah. a concrete roof ceiling. So how thick is this concrete roof? You know, I didn't see any cross sections. That's a great question. I was down there a week and it was a busy, busy week, but I would guess, you know, six to eight inches, six to 10 inches, perhaps. That's a great question, Ruben. And that's one thing I'm going to have to look into. It's either one of the two. It's either the the hand frame roof, dimensional lumber as rafters, or it was the concrete roof. And I don't know when or why they would switch. So what do these things weigh? Oh, it's got to be astronomical. Three-story structures, guys. Three-story buildings with a concrete roof. I just okay. can't wrap my head around this. This is amazing. Okay. Well, I will share the uh, I'll share the folder with you. The pictures that we took. I took a couple hundred photos down there. My wife is from India. We spent some time in India, and they build the same way. Everything's poured concrete, and you just keep building up, and it's a slow, methodical process, but it gets done. And they're bulletproof when they're set Literally. up, and they're they're old too by the time they're set up because it takes them so long to build them. One question for you, Andy, you know, Bill, you just said the concrete is bulletproof. Just wondering with SIP panels in a hot, humid climate like that, I mean, do you have to worry about durability with the wood and being exposed to moisture and water and all that? Absolutely. Not only moisture, but termites and some others, but there's some additives to the SIPs panels to the plywood, the borate that they add to the to the OSB that protects it against termites. And we're working with uh, Greener World Solutions out of Wasika. They're going to be providing a waterproof membrane. So essentially the, the building, the, the panels are going to be encapsulated either with a silicone, right? I forget the other products that they're looking at. They're going to be sprayed inside and outside to prevent or protect them, if you will, from the hot, humid weather. But then I'll also the roofing system, making sure that the overhangs are, are long enough or wide enough in order to keep the weather off the wall. Mm-hmm. Right. But typically a multi-story building that you're building? This is going to be a single story. It's going to have a loft. So the knee walls from the downstairs ceiling to the upper will have like a three foot knee wall. Okay. So there's going to be a loft on two ends and then the center will be vaulted. But to your earlier question about the benefits, it's really helping people get out of the weather. You know, and, and granted, I'm a, a Minnesota boy, but the heat and the humidity has just got to be so draining on anybody, even if you're used to it. So the shell of this building out of SIPS panels is going to be easier to condition. And with solar panels, there's going to be able to run a little mini split in there to 
to, mm. to cool and dehumidify the interior of this building. So the thought is this house is really built for everybody. It's built for the locals that are going to be working in there, as well as the volunteers that come from the States and from anywhere else. You know, you can go out and you can work on the farm. You can help the Haitians, you know, till the fields and, 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 uh, and harvest the crops. And then when you need to, or you want to, you can go into this building a little an escape, you know, to get out of the heat and the humidity and, and uh, kind of regroup. Yeah. Do a lot of those concrete houses have some sort of cooling, like central cooling system? Do they use mini splits or do most of them just not have any sort of... Yes, it literally dirt floor. They literally have dirt floors. Some have concrete floors, no space conditioning, no electricity. My sister, just to put a plug in, she started this so many years ago. She would ask us going to garage sales. She had a brigade of people that would go out looking for the treadle sewing machine. She's an attorney in Minneapolis and by night she's a seamstress. She loves to sew. So her big mission to go down there was to help people help themselves. That's how this all started. She with treadle sewing machines, uh, she went down there and she would help them make reusable diapers and also sanitary kits for the young women. So she would help them help themselves by giving them products to make. Then they would sell those products. So she started with these treadle sewing machines and this uh, the project started evolving to the point where they made enough diapers, feminine hygiene kits that they were able to buy a generator. Well, that generator makes electricity. So now they're sending down electric sewing machines. And that evolved to the point where they built a building, a sewing center. And now that sewing center has intermittent power, uh, but it also has the generator. So when the Haitian women come in to sew, if there's not reliable power from the grid, which happens quite often, they have a large diesel generator so they can run the electric sewing machines. That's awesome. That's awesome. Andy, when did you connect the dots and were you the one who connected the SIPs to Haiti? Like this would be a great idea or was this a, like a mastermind of several people who are just house geeks? It, it, it all happened at the same time. It, it was funny because over the wintertime, I'm pretty close with my brothers and sisters. Over the wintertime, we were visiting and my sister Ellen, you know, like clockwork, are you coming to Haiti? Are you coming to Haiti? And finally, my brother Joe and I were looking at this adventure for a, a new company, a GC company on performance-based construction. And Ellie said, you know, we need a, a house in Haiti. Why don't you do it out of SIPs? And it was just that simple. And from there, we've been working quite hard at a nice book here in the office that shows the color pictures, the floor plan, the elevations, and she just started a 5013C company, a nonprofit. And there's a slideshow out there. And I'd love to make it available to people, again, to draw some support and, and perhaps contributions to this. It's just amazing. Everybody doing a little bit, we can get there. So that's how it started. We were visiting over the wintertime. That's how the project kind of came to fruition. And then my wife and I decided that we would have the company pay for the design work. And so we have the design work ready to go and the plans are developed. And now we're just looking at uh, developing support and also carpenters, people to go down and put this thing together. That sounds awesome. Okay, so back to Minnesota, you're launching a new GC company and you're going to focus on using SIPs in your construction. Correct. And how long have you been working on that project? Well, I've been working on that for the last couple of years. And, and as you guys, we came to, to know each other through Rum River Construction Consultants. That's where I am the contract building official for municipalities, cities, and townships. And that's really where I've been working my career for the last 20 years. It's a valuable commodity. It's a needed service. There's a real public need for that. However, I've often thought it would be exciting to work with people because they wanted to work with you, not <laughs> because the law stated they had to work with you. Yeah. Uh, it's really playing defense right out of the gate because you're working with the customer as far as the building permits go. You're working with the customer because they must buy your product. 
And not only do they have to buy your product, they must buy it from you. So it's not like they have the ability to shop around and make a buying decision based on what they want, you know, a, a customer service approach or or what have you. It's it's state mandated. We're working again, playing defense a little bit. And I wanted to work with customers that were more inclined to perform such a way that they wanted to work with you, not that they had to. So I've, I've been telling my wife that for years. And, and finally, the way God smiles on people, this all came to me in front of me at one time. So I'm kind of handing the reins off to one of our inspectors, Grant. Uh, he's taken care of a lot of the day-to-day operations with construction consultants. We rented another office in the same building. So now we're really able to concentrate. We're working on website design, you know, and, and everything that a startup business needs. Tell me about a SIP house and how you're designing them for the end user. Are you going from the foundation completely through, including the roof system? Dirt to doorknobs. You know, it's really from beginning to end. We met with two clients today up in Mora. People, uh, two brothers, actually, they want to build on the same property. So from an introduction standpoint, we want to get to know them. And our our ultimate client is somebody who has done this before. You know, really a a first-time home buyer is is not going to be a a good fit for this type of a scenario. We'd love to work with people that have built a house or two, have, have maybe made some decisions that they wouldn't make again. And I'm really a big fan of, you know, age in place, live in place, whatever terminology you might want to utilize slab on grade, shallow frost foundation, radiant floor heat, mini splits for air conditioning. There's a lot of design aspects that can be incorporated into a SIPS building, a performance-based construction that's really there for the long haul, for the longevity. And then ultimately a net zero home would be our goal. Incorporating a little bit of solar, tight envelope, quality double, triple pane windows. A lot to be said about the orientation of the building as far as maximizing the solar heat gain in the winter and deflecting it in the summer. That design concept is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. You mean you just don't orient it according to the street and call it good? <laughs> no, no, that's just it. And, and that's the nice thing about this as well, is the people that are interested and able to build these, I believe, are going to ride out the next downturn in the economy that's, that's coming. I think especially as we compete with uh, dimensional lumber stick frame buildings, uh, the SIPS building future is is bright. We prefer to call it performance-based construction. So Andy, why is it that you say you'd rather work with somebody who's already built a house before? Why is it not a good fit to work with a, a first-time home, well, I shouldn't say builder, but someone who's having their first house built? We learn more from what we do wrong than what we do right. And, and if you're working with, a, like this morning, I was visiting with uh, Danielle and they had, I think, two houses under their belt already. One they built and one they bought. And now that they're at the position, this is going to be their forever home. They're more interested and able to grasp long-term planning. That's, I guess, what it comes down to, long-term planning. And the people that haven't been through this before, they don't mind, you know, nothing against the split entries. You can do that well, you can do that poorly. But from a long-term perspective, as far as managing stairs, somebody that's a little more seasoned, you know, they get the zero entry shower. They get the three O doors into the bathroom. They get a lot of those concepts where somebody that's new to the home ownership aspect may not quite grasp that. Can you expound on both of those zero entry showers and three O doors into the bathroom for just in case there's another layman like me? Sure. <laughs> what that means. Well, you know, envision this is uh, stepping up over the tub to get into the to the bathtub to take a shower. You know, the potential to slip and fall. That's something that, you know, a younger person is going to do quite readily and, and no problems. But as we get older, it's a little harder to lift our leg. The chances of slipping and falling are going to are going to get higher. So you could take the design of a bathroom and make a shower room 
not a shower stall even, but you can make a zero entry shower in such a way that there's literally no curb in order to get up and into the shower. You know, uh, just thinking ahead in that idea of age in place is really common. So Andy, I've got a question for you. If you were going to be building a SIP panel house that could be net zero, how does that compare in price to a, just like a, a regular stick frame house these days? You know, that's a great question. That's something that we really are honing our response to because that's something we've been answering that question. What does it cost to build? What's the, the cost comparison? And really the, the best way to look at that is not what does it cost me to build this house? The best answer is what does it cost me to live in this house? Because it wasn't that many years ago, not that long ago, we did a cost comparison. A SIPS panel house was higher. You know, and I don't want to get into percentages because it really depends on the the size and the complexity of the house. It depends on a number of factors. Mm -hmm. However, it wasn't a bad thing to say, you know, the initial investment would take three to five years for you to realize that to come back to to zero. And then you'd be saving money through the energy efficiency designs and things like that. Now, however, with dimensional lumber as expensive as it is and uh, a, a roof truss and a floor truss to be three months out, plus or minus, the actual costs of a, a panelized, a SIPS panel house is going to be comparative, if not less expensive than a dimensional framed house. So wow. that's turning the tide here. And, and we're, the phone's literally ringing off the hook because people are starting to realize not only the energy efficiency, what does it cost me to live in this house, but what does it even cost to construct with turnaround times and also costs themselves. Dimensional lumber is just very hard to predict and it just goes up every day. OSB and the panelized system, that does go up as well, but there's a lot less lumber in a SIPS panel house than in a stick frame house. So it's it's faster to build than stick frame. The, the price comparison is very advantageous these days with lumber prices going up and just long-term thinking down the road, you're saving money living in a house that is that energy efficient and and airtight that you'll have a return on investment much quicker. Right. Uh, you want a job? She's not for hire. Sorry. Knock it <laughs> off, Andy. <laughs> Sorry. I gotta ask you, Andy, what happens when you have failure? I mean, most general contractors who do repair work understand what it takes. Let's say, you know, you got a stucco clad house or whatever, and you got water leaking in around windows. You take the siding off. You remove the rotted sheathing, maybe you replace a stud or two, and then you put it all back together. But what happens when you got water leaking in on a SIP panel? How do you fix it? Well, first of all, you put more time and energy into the design and the construction to assure the fact that that doesn't happen. <laughs> Details <laughs> matter. Is that what you're saying? So, so don't let matter? it leak. Noted. Let it leak. Okay. You know, when you look at the, <laughs> the length of the overhangs and the redundancy in the water resistive barrier, how you're handling that bulk water, what we're learning is you do everything you can to keep the water out. But, you know, windows are much like concrete. And that analogy is this it's not a matter of if concrete cracks, it's when and where. It's not a matter of if a window is going to leak or an envelope is going to leak, it's when and where. So when you plan for that and the cladding, you want to make sure that your exterior cladding is robust as possible. But if there are any opportunities for that water to get back, you plan for that. You plan for that by having a rain screen, uh, an area for that bulk water to, to drain freely before it touches the exterior wall assembly itself. And that exterior wall assembly itself is not necessarily covered with a house wrap and conventional paper product. I'm a huge fan of liquid applied water resistant barriers. Mm. Last year, I did that on my house. You know, envision, if you will, a couple of guys on a ladder or extension ladder, and they're trying to run a nine foot roll of wrap around a house. That compared to one person in a basket lift with a wand applying a water resistant barrier that's fluid. And then when you set your windows, you flash the sides and the top 
with a material that chemically bonds to that water resistant barrier, that liquid, now your envelope your, is a lot more robust. So any water that gets beyond your cladding is going to hit that rain screen. Water management system, that drain plane, it's going to drain down. If it does happen to get beyond that, as unlikely as that might be, it's coming against a water resistant barrier that is essentially self-healing. So that when a siding fastener it goes into that sheathing, it's actually sealed right around that fastener. That combined, of course, starting with the overhang, the orientation of the building, you really lessen the potential uh, for any uh, building water intrusion in the first place. All right. So just to kind of break a few of those down, as far as roof lines, I would assume that you create really simple roofs. Like are, are all of your homes simple shed roofs with basically no valleys? That's the easiest way to go about it. Yeah. The more complex with anything, with the more complex it is, the more apt it is to have some challenges or some problems. Essentially, what would be the ultimate building of any sort of structure would to, uh, to have it be a rectangular box. Okay. All right. And then what about for overhangs? What do you shoot for as far as a good overhang? Well, you know, that depends on the orientation, the height of the windows, you know, the angle of the uh, the rain drive from beyond the window. The nice thing about all this, guys, is you don't have to be smart enough to figure that out. You know, there's computer programs that model all of this. Energy modeling is the other thing. Uh, Tessa, you and I could geek out on that for a long time <laughs> as far as the actual energy modeling to say, what does it take to heat and cool this building? Where are the, um, the benefits to upgrade? The foam under the floor, triple pane window, the, the thickness of panel, a lot of things go into that. And the computer modeling is, is there and it takes care of all of that. Yesterday, we were here in the office and we had some two clients in here and we had the 70 inch TV and we had a Zoom call with the designer out of Rock. Rochester. And in real time, he's shifting the house. He's making a door smaller. He's moving a window. That technology is, is we're only scratching the, the edge of that technology. At least here we are. So in other words, three feet. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what Okay. That's what I heard. I don't. So no two and a half story walkouts facing the South East with 76 holes through them. <laughs> oh, it, when you look at the water shedding system of a roof, it doesn't take a whole lot of analysis to see problems. Amen. Mm -hmm. I love it. Andy, I'm very interested in watching the conversion process of one Tessa Murray as she moves from two feet out of the bathtub called sips and starts to dip her toe in and then maybe stand in the water a little bit. <laughs> You've got a lot of work to do here. So we're, I'm ready to see you lay it out. Take a, a building science girl who is a non-believer and make her a believer. Well, we, we talk a lot of the same language. We visited a few different times and, and there's so much to be said about thoughtful planning. You know, not only the room layouts and things like that, but thinking like a drop of water, looking at this angle of the sun, you know, it's not that complex, but there are a number of steps to it. You know, we actually just broke this down the other day to 10 steps from planning a house. And I say dirt to doorknobs, you know, from finding the land all the way to a certificate of occupancy. And that's the nice thing, too, about having the two companies now is we'll be able to work with jurisdictions because the, the SIPs type of construction isn't as commonly known from municipalities as far as the permitting and the inspection process. Not every building has to be engineered. The SIPS panel construction is actually a prescriptive element of the residential code now. Can you talk a little about the joints and how they come together and how you don't have a thermal inconsistency or a thermal break right at the joints? Well, I don't know how long ago they, they used to use, they formerly had used dimensional lumber as the splines in between the panels. And I am not the SIPS geek that some people are. I know enough about it to be intrigued and to be really excited and enthused about it. Now they use a box spline. It's essentially a, another piece of SIPS panel. It's a foam core with OSB and extreme panel. They have some great videos on their website. 
They were recently purchased by Alan Smith, P. Alan Smith, and he's infusing a lot of excitement to that company. There's some new newsletters that come out to us contractors. They're going to be doing a new virtual tour of their plant. Their plant is in Cottonwood, Minnesota, and it's always open to people to come down and tour the plant, but just logistically, that can be a challenge. So they're doing a lot with the technology and the advertisement of that company, Extreme Panel. So that's really going to put them out there a little bit further. How many SIP panel manufacturers are kind of in Minnesota, just I didn't even know that there were any. That's interesting. They're around the five-state area here, and I'm not sure how many are out there. I'm sold on Extreme from their service aspect. You know, when you buy a package, it comes with the dimensional lumber, the screws, the adhesives, and everything you need to build. The tools are available, the, the panel straps, everything's in, in a package because they know what it takes. Some of the others aren't necessarily that inclusive, where you uh, you have to go out and buy your, your bottom plates, your top plates, where Extreme puts that all into a package so it's a turnkey product. And that's what really excited me about this Haiti project. You know, there's no Home Depot down the road, you know, mm -hmm. so we're going to need that package from start to finish. We're going to need to know the screws are included, the, uh, the, the adhesive, everything's going to be included in that package when it gets sent. So you as the builder, you work with this company, they provide all the materials you need to build your own SIP, basically. Correct. Okay. All the way down to the tools. And it comes on one, two, three truckloads. And within two or three days, a vast majority of these panels are in place. So much of that is planning. You know, we have a house coming up in Golden Valley that's on a tight, tight lot. A home on the left, a home on the right, a home in the front, and a home in the back. So there thankfully is an open lot uh, down the road a little bit that we'll use for staging. Planning this thing out and every panel comes out numbered. So you know in, in what sequence, how much you can get done in a day. So we're going to plan this out in such a way that we'll get multiple deliveries oh. on that project. Just curious too, how many contractors, general contractors in the state are able to build SIP panel houses? I mean, it doesn't take a special certification, does it? it not a special certification, but it is a different skill set. Once you work on a couple of them, it's actually really exciting. You know, to, to build a house out of sticks, out of dimensional lumber is boring compared to this. You know, mm -hmm. I was really excited at a time when I was working in the commercial side for Target stores and some different restaurants with steel studs. The versatility of steel studs, you can do a lot more artistically with the, the barrel vaults and things because of the consistency of a steel stud versus a dimensional lumber. And once you get into the SIPS system, you can call it that, there's a, it's a different skill set, but it's not complicated. But the devil's in the details, making sure that the panels are sealed properly, that they're mm -hmm. fastened properly, that you have a square level of foundation to start from is critical. Mm -hmm. So how much of a pain on the butt is it to run the electrical? I mean, isn't the way you do this that it all needs to be planned ahead of time and then you basically don't change it once you're done? Planning is at the forefront. Exactly. So there are chases. There's a chase routed in the foam for outlet heights. And that can be adjusted depending on, again, uh, an older client might want the outlets a little bit higher, or if it's going to be in a shop, they might, might want them up at four foot. So there's going to be a chase in the foam that you can run your fish tape down and pull wire. And what you do is you come along and you cut holes in the OSB to mount your, your boxes. So the electrical chases are already made in the foam from the factory. Okay. And isn't there some little hot tool you can uh, use to kind of burn a hole if you need to do a vertical drop somewhere? Yeah, there's a hot knife. Yes, there, there are tools available. If you have to make any modifications in the field, you can. Ultimately, the, the idea is to make all the work done in the factory as possible when it comes to that. But as far as, you know, a hot knife through the end of the panels, that's one of the tools that they provide. Is there a big sticker that you put on a SIP's house once it's built that says, just don't hack on this thing like you normally would? This There's there's concerns here if you start breaking down the shell. Well, that's why you need to have the team set ahead of time. You know, the plumber, the tinner, the HVAC contractor, the electrician, everybody that knows that has done this before. 
Um, that's not to say you can't show somebody that's not familiar with the process and, and bring them into the fold, if you will. But it's not something that you want anybody coming into that's not experienced with that. Absolutely. There's a training aspect to this. So you're watching that job site like a hawk after they've assembled the panels and put on the liquid applied water you know, barrier. Here's the other thing that we have found valuable is, is not to sell anybody a SIPS package. You sell them a house. You sell them a high performance, comfortable, safe, energy efficient house that happens to be made out of SIP. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, does the customer really get that granular? More, more often than not, they don't. They don't need to. They don't want to. When you ask somebody, what do you want in a house? Generally, the answers are, are going to be very similar. They want something that's safe, that's comfortable, that's energy efficient, that's valuable, that's going to hold its value. They don't necessarily care if it's uh, dimensional lumber at two foot on center in order just to reduce the thermal bridging, exterior board insulation. They're not as concerned with that. They don't need or want. That's our job, the lane that we swim in. Can we just touch on the roof systems real quick? Because you can use a SIP panel as a roof system or you can use traditional trusses. Where do you lean in favor of right now? Depends on the design. You know, if somebody's going to be looking for a fairly straightforward roof, they're not looking at making that uh, a vault or usable space upstairs. A conventional wood frame truss or hand frame rafter might be the option. Depends on the design. A lot of times these clients are looking for open floor plans, vaulted ceilings, and that's where SIP really would be a, a natural roof component. That makes Tessa's heart just warm. There's there's absolutely no air escaping into attic cavities or anything oh. like that. You know what? I, I don't want to go there, but I think I have to share this short story. Negative Nancy over here. You know, back when I worked for a home performance company, we had a customer who called us because they were living in a custom SIP panel house and it had vaulted ceilings and they had water dripping out of their ceiling, um, not from rain, but from condensation that was leaking back in. And it turns out what happened is just with the extremes and the, the temperature differences between inside and outside that we get here in Minnesota, basically the, the expansion contraction rates were very different between the outside panel and the inside panel. And it put a lot of stress on those seams. And so over time, kind of the expanding contracting at those seams caused it to break apart and warm, humid air rose and got into those seams and started to slowly rot out the panel in those locations. And when I showed up on site, you could actually see like from the exterior on the roof, you could see kind of like bubbles and lifts on the outline of of the panel from the roof, from the outside, if that makes sense. Like you could see kind of where those seams had failed from the outside. And so we ended up having to remove all the, the shingles, remove the paper and get down to the actual structure of the panel and cut out the rotted sections and basically kind of patch them, put them back together and then re-roof it. And so that's always really scared me about using, you know, sit panels in extreme climates where you have that, uh, you know, a lot of differences between outside and inside temperatures and, and causing stresses in those seams on roofs specifically. You know, Did it have dimensional time. lumber as the spline, as Annie referred it's to a, earlier? I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. So that's a good question. But I just wonder if there's if there's some of the engineering that has come about in the last 10 years has fixed that that type of issue. I, I think you you it would be interesting to know any other leading causes or any other contributing causes to that. As you said, you know, the challenges in an extreme climate, well, I would counter that by saying it done correctly, that's where they're going to perform the best in the extreme climates. It'd be interesting to know in that case in particular, what other causes may have led up to that. Was there proper air exchange? Was there any excessive interior moisture load, things of that nature? Exterior, was that roof system leaking at all that contributed to that panel getting wet? 
um, because a lot of times there's more than one factor. Well, we should probably put a wrap on this episode, but Andy, can you tell everybody where, again, where they can find you, both the construction company and the consulting company? Yes. A consulting company, Rum River Construction Consultants. We're a contract building official. We provide continuing education for licensed general contractors, as well as code officials. Our office is in St. Francis. Our, our website is rumrivercc.com. And if anybody's interested in the, in the I'll use this as a, a shameless plug, anybody interested in the Haiti aspect, please email me, andy at rumrivercc.com. I would love to send you the link for the Healing Haiti, that watching the Haitians work and helping them out. I would love to to share this with people. Uh, we're going to area churches and uh, different uh, corporations, just sharing our story. And if people feel compelled to, to help in any regard, that's fantastic. Our construction company is Performance by Design. The website uh, domain has been registered, but there's no website yet. That's in its infancy. We're too, buildy, too busy building to build a website. Absolutely crazy. We don't really need the advertising right now, but uh, we do realize that that's going to be needed and beneficial at some point. Outstanding. Well, I love this conversation because I'm a little wacky and I think we get too like, we do it this way because that's the way we've always done it. We got to figure out a better way to build these houses. And I've long been intrigued by SIPs. I have a book on my bookshelf called like all to know about structurally insulated panels. It's it's kind of a weird obsession I have. So you know, I really, really December, we, We'll get you a ticket to Haiti, Bill, in December. Can we do it in November? Because ice fishing just gets ramped up in December. And it's uh, <laughs> for you. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, those were the sweet tones of Andy Schrader. And the other two you're listening to is Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. I'm Bill Ulrich. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. We will catch you next time. And thanks for listening. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech.com. 